Section 22 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. Chapter 11, Part 2. Santo Bono required no pressing, but at once accepted the offer. Willingly, a thousand thanks, he said. It's still better to save one's shoe leather. Then he got in and installed himself on the bracket seat, declining with abrupt humility the place which Pierre politely offered him beside the count. The young priest and the latter now saw that the object he was carrying was a little basket of fresh figs, nicely arranged and covered with leaves. The horses set off again at a faster trot, and the carriage rolled on and on over the superb flat plain. "'So you are going to Rome,' the count resumed, in order to make Santobono talk. "'Yes,' the other replied. I am taking his eminence, Cardinal Bocanera, these few figs, the last of the season, a little present which I had promised him. He had placed the basket on his knees and was holding it between his big knotty hands as if it were something rare and fragile. Ah, some of the famous figs of your garden, said Prada. It's quite true, they are like honey. But why don't you rid yourself of them? You surely don't mean to keep them on your knees all the way to Rome. Give them to me, I'll put them in the hood. However, Santa Bona became quite agitated, and vigorously declined the offer. No, no, a thousand thanks. They don't embarrass me in the least. They are very well here, and in this way I shall be sure that no accident will befall them. His passion for the fruit he grew quite amused Prada, who nudged Pierre, and then inquired, Is the cardinal fond of your figs? Oh, his eminence condescends to adore them. In former years, when he spent the summer at the villa, he would never touch the figs from other trees. And so, you see, knowing his tastes, it costs me very little to gratify him. Whilst making this reply, Santo Bono had shot such a keen glance in the direction of Pierre that the Count felt it necessary to introduce them to one another. This he did, saying, As it happens, Monsieur l'Abbé Fromont is stopping at the Palazzo Bocanera. He has been there for three months or so. Yes, I'm aware of it, Santo Bono quietly replied. I found Monsieur l'Abbé with his eminence one day when I took some figs to the Palazzo. Those were less ripe, but these are perfect. So speaking, he gave the little basket a complacent glance, and seemed to press it yet more closely between his huge and hairy fingers. Then came a spell of silence, whilst on either hand the Campagna spread out as far as the eye could reach. All houses had long since disappeared. There was not a wall, not a tree, nothing but the undulating expanse whose sparse, short herbage was, with the approach of winter, beginning to turn green once more a tower, a half-fallen ruin which came into sight on the left, rising in solitude into the limpid sky above the flat, boundless line of the horizon, suddenly assumed extraordinary importance. Then, on the right, the distant silhouettes of cattle and horses were seen in a large enclosure with wooden rails. Urged on by the goad, oxen, still yoked, were slowly coming back from ploughing, whilst a farmer, cantering beside the ploughed land on a little sorrel nag, gave a final look round for the night. Now and again the road became peopled. A birocino, an extremely light vehicle with two huge wheels and a small seat perched upon the springs, whisked by like a gust of wind. From time to time also the Victoria passed a carrotino, one of the low carts in which peasants, sheltered by a kind of bright-hued tent, bring the wine, vegetables and fruit of the castle lands to Rome. The shrill tinkling of horses' bells was heard afar off as the animals followed the well-known road of their own accord, their peasant drivers usually being sound asleep. Women with bare, black hair, scarlet neckerchiefs, and skirts caught up, 
were seen going home in groups of three and four and then the road again emptied and the solitude became more and more complete without a wayfarer or an animal appearing for miles and miles whilst yonder at the far end of the lifeless sea so grandiose and mournful in its monotony the sun continued to descend from the infinite vault of heaven and the pope abbe is he dead prada suddenly inquired santa bono did not even start i trust he replied in all simplicity that his holiness still has many long years to live for the triumph of the church so you had good news this morning when you called on your bishop cardinal sanguinetti this time the priest was unable to restrain a slight start had he been seen then in his haste he had failed to notice the two men following the road behind him however he at once regained self-possession and replied oh one can never tell exactly whether news is good or bad it seems that his holiness passed a somewhat painful night but i devoutly hope that the next will be a better one then he seemed to meditate for a moment and added moreover if god should have deemed it time to call his holiness to himself he would not leave his flock without a shepherd he would have already chosen and designated the sovereign pontiff of tomorrow this superb answer increased prada's gaiety you are really extraordinary abbe he said so you think that popes are solely created by the grace of the divinity the pope of tomorrow is chosen up in heaven eh and simply waits well i fancied that men had something to do with the matter but perhaps you already know which cardinal it is that the divine favour has thus elected in advance then like the unbeliever he was he went on with his facile jests which left the priest unruffled in fact the latter also ended by laughing when the count after alluding to the gambling passion which at each fresh conclave sets well nigh the whole population of rome betting for or against this or that candidate told him that he might easily make his fortune if he were in the divine secret next the talk turned on the three white cassocks of different sizes which are always kept in readiness in a cupboard at the vatican which of them would be required on this occasion the short one the long one or the one of medium size each time that the reigning pope falls somewhat seriously ill there is in this wise an extraordinary outburst of emotion a keen awakening of all ambitions and intrigues to such a point that not merely in the black world but throughout the city people have no other subject of curiosity conversation and occupation than that of discussing the relative claims of the cardinals and predicting which of them will be elected come come prada resumed since you know the truth i'm determined that you shall tell me will it be cardinal moretta santo bono in spite of his evident desire to remain dignified and disinterested like a good pious priest was gradually growing impassioned yielding to the hidden fire which consumed him and this interrogatory finished him off he could no longer restrain himself but replied moretta what an idea why he is sold to all europe well will it be cardinal bartolini oh you can't think that bartolini has used himself up in striving for everything and getting nothing will it be cardinal dozio then dozio dozio why if dozio were to win one might altogether despair of our holy church for no man can have a baser mind than he prada raised his hands as if he had exhausted the serious candidates in order to increase the priest's exasperation he maliciously refrained from naming cardinal sanguinetti who was certainly santo bono's nominee all at once however he pretended to make a good guess and gaily exclaimed ah i have it i know your man cardinal bocanera the blow struck santo bono full in the heart wounding him both in his rancour and his patriotic faith 
his terrible mouth was already opening and he was about to shout no no with all his strength but he managed to restrain the cry compelled as he was to silence by the present on his knees that little basket of figs which he pressed so convulsively with both hands and the effort which he was obliged to make left him quivering to such a point that he had to wait some time before he could reply in a calm voice his most reverend eminence cardinal bocanera is a saintly man well worthy of the throne and my only fear is that with his hatred of new italy he might bring us warfare prada however desired to enlarge the wound at all events said he you accept him and love him too much not to rejoice over his chances of success and i really think that we have arrived at the truth for everybody is convinced that the conclave's choice cannot fall elsewhere come come bocanera is a very tall man so it's the long white cassock which will be required the long cassock the long cassock growled santabono despite himself that's all very well but then he stopped short and again overcoming his passion left his sentence unfinished pierre listening in silence marvelled at the man's self-restraint for he remembered the conversation which he had overheard at cardinal sanguinetti's those figs were evidently a mere pretext for gaining admission to the bocanera mansion where some friend abbe paparelli no doubt could alone supply certain positive information which was needed but how great was the command which that hot-blooded priest exercised over himself amidst the riotous impulses of his soul on either side of the road the campagna still and ever spread its expanse of verdure and prada who had become grave and dreamy gazed before him without seeing anything at last however he gave expression to his thoughts you know abbe what will be said if the pope should die this time that sudden illness those colics those refusals to make any information public mean nothing good yes yes poison justice for the others pierre gave a start of stupefaction the pope poisoned what poison again he exclaimed as he gazed at his companions with dilated eyes poison at the end of the nineteenth century as in the days of the borgias as on the stage in a romanticist melodrama to him the idea appeared both monstrous and ridiculous santo bono whose features had become motionless and impenetrable made no reply but prada nodded and the conversation was henceforth confined to him and the young priest why yes poison he replied the fear of it has remained very great in rome whenever a death seems inexplicable either by reason of its suddenness or the tragic circumstances which attend it the unanimous thought is poison and remark this in no city i believe are sudden deaths so frequent the causes i don't exactly know but some doctors put everything down to the fevers among the people however the one thought is poison poison with all its legends poison which kills like lightning and leaves no trace the famous recipe bequeathed from age to age through the emperors and the popes down to these present times of middle-class democracy as he spoke he ended by smiling for he was inclined to be somewhat sceptical on the point despite the covert terror with which he was inspired by racial and educational causes however he quoted instances the roman matrons had rid themselves of their husbands and lovers by employing the venom of red toads locusta in a more practical spirit sought poison in plants one of which probably aconite she was wont to boil then long afterwards came the age of the borgias and subsequently at naples la tofana sold a famous water doubtless some preparation of arsenic in phials decorated with a representation of saint nicholas of bari 
they were also extraordinary stories of pins a prick from which killed one like lightning of cups of wine poisoned by the infusion of rose petals of woodcocks cut in half with prepared knives which poisoned but one half of the bird so that he who partook of that half was killed i myself in my younger days continued prada had a friend whose bride fell dead in church during the marriage service through simply inhaling a bouquet of flowers and so isn't it possible that the famous recipe may really have been handed down and have remained known to a few adepts but chemistry has made too much progress pierre replied if mysterious poisons were believed in by the ancients and remained undetected in their time it was because there were no means of analysis but the drug of the borgias would now lead the simpleton who might employ it straight to the assizes such stories are mere nonsense and at the present day people scarcely tolerate them in newspaper serials and shockers perhaps so resumed the count with his uneasy smile you are right no doubt only go and tell that to your host for instance cardinal bocanera who last summer held in his arms an old and deeply loved friend monsignor gallo who died after a seizure of a couple of hours but apoplexy may kill in one or two hours and aneurysm only takes two minutes true but ask the cardinal what he thought of his friend's prolonged shudders the leaden hue which overcame his face the sinking of his eyes and the expression of terror which made him quite unrecognizable the cardinal is convinced that monsignor gallo was poisoned because he was his dearest confidant the counsellor to whom he always listened and whose wise advice was a guarantee of success pierre's bewilderment was increasing and irritated by the impassibility of santo bono he addressed him direct it's idiotic it's awful does your reverence also believe in these frightful stories but the priest of frascati gave no sign his thick passionate lips remained closed while his black glowing eyes never ceased to gaze at prada the latter moreover was quoting other instances there was the case of monsignor nazzarelli who had been found in bed shrunken and calcined like carbon and there was that of monsignor brando struck down in his sacerdotal vestments at st peter's itself in the very sacristy during vespers ah mon dieu sighed pierre you will tell me so much that i myself shall end by trembling and shan't dare to eat anything but boiled eggs as long as i stay in this terrible rome of yours for a moment this whimsical reply enlivened both the count and pierre but it was quite true that their conversation showed rome under a terrible aspect for it conjured up the eternal city of crime the city of poison and the knife where for more than two thousand years ever since the raising of the first bit of wall the lust of power the frantic hunger for possession and enjoyment had armed men's hands ensanguined the pavements and cast victims into the river and the ground assassinations and poisonings under the emperors poisonings and assassinations under the popes ever did the same torrent of abominations strew that tragic soil with death amidst the sovereign glory of the sun all the same said the count those who take precautions are perhaps not ill-advised it is said that more than one cardinal shudders and mistrusts people one whom i know will never eat anything that has not been bought and prepared by his own cook and as for the pope if he is anxious pierre again raised a cry of stupefaction what the pope himself the pope afraid of being poisoned well my dear abbe people commonly assert it there are certainly days when he considers himself more menaced than anybody else and are you not aware of the old roman view that a pope ought never to live till too great an age and that when he is so obstinate as not to die at the right time he ought to be assisted as soon as a pope begins to fall into second childhood and by reason of his senility becomes a source of embarrassment and possibly even danger to the church his right place is heaven 
moreover matters are managed in a discreet manner a slight cold becomes a decent pretext to prevent him from tarrying any longer on the throne of st peter prada then gave some curious details one prelate it was said wishing to dispel his holiness's fears had devised an elaborate precautionary system which among other things was to comprise a little padlocked vehicle in which the food destined for the frugal pontifical table was to be securely placed before leaving the kitchen so that it might not be tampered with on its way to the pope's apartments however this project had not yet been carried into effect after all the count concluded with a laugh every pope has to die some day especially when his death is needful for the welfare of the church isn't that so abbe santo bono whom he addressed had a moment previously lowered his eyes as if to contemplate the little basket of figs which he held on his lap with as much care as if it had been the blessed sacrament on being questioned in such a direct sharp fashion he could not do otherwise than look up however he did not depart from his prolonged silence but limited his answer to a slow nod and it is god alone and not poison who causes one to die is that not so abbe repeated prada it is said that those were the last words of poor monsignor gallo before he expired in the arms of his friend cardinal bocanera for the second time santo bono nodded without speaking and then silence fell all three sinking into a dreamy mood meantime without a pause the carriage rolled on across the immensity of the campagna the road straight as an arrow seemed to extend into the infinite as the sun descended towards the horizon the play of light and shade became more marked on the broad undulations of the ground which stretched away alternately of a pinky green and a violet grey till they reached the distant fringe of the sky at the roadside on either hand there were still and ever tall withered thistles and giant fennel with yellow umbels then after a time came a team of four oxen that had been kept ploughing until late and stood forth black and huge in the pale atmosphere and mournful solitude farther on some flocks of sheep whence the breeze wafted a tallowy odour set patches of brown amidst the herbage which once more was becoming verdant whilst at intervals a dog was heard to bark his voice the only distinct sound amidst the low quivering of that silent desert where the sovereign peacefulness of death seemed to reign but all at once a light melody arose and some larks flew up one of them soaring into the limpid golden heavens and ahead at the far extremity of the pure sky rome with her towers and domes grew larger and larger like a city of white marble springing from a mirage amidst the greenery of some enchanted garden matteo prada called to his coachman pull up at the osteria romana and to his companions he added pray excuse me but i want to see if i can get some new laid eggs for my father he is so fond of them a few minutes afterwards the carriage stopped at the very edge of the road stood a primitive sort of inn bearing the proud and sonorous name of antica osteria romana it had now become a mere house of call for carters and chance sportsmen who ventured to drink a flagon of white wine whilst eating an omelette and a slice of ham occasionally on sundays some of the humble classes would walk over from rome and make merry there but the weekdays often went by without a soul entering the place such was its isolation amidst the bare campagna the count was already springing from the carriage i shall only be a minute said he as he turned away the osteria was a long low pile with a ground floor and one upper story the last being reached by an outdoor stairway built of large blocks of stone which had been scorched by hot suns the entire place indeed was corroded tinged with the hue of old gold on the ground floor one found a common room a cart-house and a stable with adjoining sheds 
at one side near a cluster of parasol pines the only trees that could grow in that ungrateful soil there was an arbour of reeds where five or six rough wooden tables were set out and as a background to this sorry mournful nook of life there arose a fragment of an ancient aqueduct whose arches half fallen and opening onto space alone interrupted the flat line of the horizon all at once however the count retraced his steps and addressing santo bono exclaimed i say abbe you'll surely accept a glass of white wine i know that you are a bit of a vine grower and they have a little white wine here which you ought to make acquaintance with santo bono again required no pressing but quietly alighted oh i know it said he it's a wine from marino it's grown in a lighter soil than ours at frascati then as he would not relax his hold on his basket of figs but even now carried it along with him the count lost patience come you don't want that basket said he leave it in the carriage the priest gave no reply but walked ahead whilst pierre also made up his mind to descend from the carriage in order to see what a suburban osteria was like prada was known at this place and an old woman tall withered but looking quite queenly in her wretched garments had at once presented herself on the last occasion when the count had called she had managed to find half a dozen eggs this time she said she would go to sea but could promise nothing for the hens laid here and there all over the place and she could never tell what eggs there might be all right prada answered go and look and meantime we'll have a carafa of white wine the three men entered the common room which was already quite dark although the hot weather was now over one heard the buzzing of innumerable flies immediately one reached the threshold and a pungent odour of acidulous wine and rancid oil caught one at the throat as soon as their eyes became accustomed to the dimness they were able to distinguish the spacious blackened malodorous chamber whose only furniture consisted of some roughly made tables and benches it seemed to be quite empty so complete was the silence apart from the buzz of the flies however two men were seated there two wayfarers who remained mute and motionless before their untouched brimming glasses moreover on a low chair near the door in the little light which penetrated from without a thin sallow girl the daughter of the house sat idle trembling with fever her hands close pressed between her knees realizing that pierre felt uncomfortable there the count proposed that they should drink their wine outside we shall be better out of doors said he it's so very mild this evening accordingly whilst the mother looked for the eggs and the father mended a wheel in an adjacent shed the daughter was obliged to get up shivering to carry the flagon of wine and three glasses to the arbour where she placed them on one of the tables and having pocketed the price of the wine three pence in silence she went back to her seat with a sullen look as if annoyed at having been compelled to make such a long journey meanwhile the three men had sat down and prada gaily filled each of the glasses although pierre declared that he was quite unable to drink wine between his meals pooh pooh said the count you can always chink glasses with us and now abbe isn't this little wine droll come here's to the pope's better health since he's unwell santa bono at one gulp emptied his glass and clacked his tongue with gentle paternal care he had deposited his basket on the ground beside him and taking off his hat he drew a long breath the evening was really delightful a superb sky of a soft golden hue stretched over that endless sea of the campagna which was soon to fall asleep with sovereign quiescence and the light breeze which went by amidst the deep silence brought with it an exquisite odour of wild herbs and flowers how pleasant it is muttered pierre affected by the surrounding charm and what a desert for eternal rest for forgetfulness of all the world prada who had emptied the flagon by filling santa bono's glass a second time made no reply 
he was silently amusing himself with an occurrence which at first he was the only one to observe however with a merry expression of complicity he gave the young priest a wink and then they both watched the dramatic incidents of the affair some scraggy fowls were wandering around them searching the yellow turf for grasshoppers and one of these birds a little shiny black hen with an impudent manner had caught sight of the basket of figs and was boldly approaching it when she got near however she took fright and retreated somewhat with neck stiffened and head turned so as to cast suspicious glances at the basket with her round sparkling eye but at last covetousness gained the victory for she could see one of the figs between the leaves and so she slowly advanced lifting her feet very high at each step and all at once stretching out her neck she gave the fig a formidable peck which ripped it open and made the juice exude prado who felt as happy as a child was then able to give vent to the laughter which he had scarcely been able to restrain look out abbe he called mind your figs at that very moment santa borna was finishing his second glass of wine with his head thrown back and his eyes blissfully raised to heaven he gave a start looked round and on seeing the hen at once understood the position and then came a terrible outburst of anger with sweeping gestures and terrible invectives but the hen who was again pecking would not be denied she dug her beak into the fig and carried it off flapping her wings so quick and so comical that prada and pierre as well laughed till tears came into their eyes their merriment increasing at sight of the impotent fury of santa bono who for a moment pursued the thief threatening her with his fist ah said the count that's what comes of not leaving the basket in the carriage if i hadn't warned you the hen would have eaten all the figs the priest did not reply but growling out vague imprecations placed the basket on the table where he raised the leaves and artistically rearranged the fruit so as to fill up the void then the harm having been repaired as far as was possible he at last calmed down it was now time for them to resume their journey for the sun was sinking towards the horizon and night would soon fall thus the count ended by getting impatient well and those eggs he called then as the woman did not return he went to seek her he entered the stable and afterwards the cart-house but she was neither here nor there next he went towards the rear of the osteria in order to look in the sheds but all at once an unexpected spectacle made him stop short the little black hen was lying on the ground dead killed as by lightning she showed no sign of hurt there was nothing but a little streamlet of violet blood still trickling from her beak prada was at first merely astonished he stooped and touched the hen she was still warm and soft like a rag doubtless some apoplectic stroke had killed her but immediately afterwards he became fearfully pale the truth appeared to him and turned him as cold as ice in a moment he conjured up everything leo thirteen attacked by illness santo bono hurrying to cardinal sanguinetti for tidings and then starting for rome to present a basket of figs to cardinal bocanera and prada also remembered the conversation in the carriage the possibility of the pope's demise the candidates for the tiara the legendary stories of poison which still fostered terror in and around the vatican and he once more saw the priest with his little basket on his knees lavishing paternal attention on it and he saw the little black hen pecking at the fruit and fleeing with a fig on her beak and now that little black hen lay there suddenly struck down dead his conviction was immediate and absolute but he did not have time to decide what course he should take for a voice behind him exclaimed why it's the little hen what's the matter with her the voice was that of pierre who letting santa bono climb into the carriage alone had in his turn come round to the rear of the house in order to obtain a better view of the ruined aqueduct among the parasol pines 
prada who shuddered as if he himself were the culprit answered him with a lie a lie which he did not premeditate but to which he was impelled by a sort of instinct but she's dead he said just fancy there was a fight at the moment when i got here that other hen which you see yonder sprang on this one to get the fig which she was still holding and with the thrust of the beak split her head open the blood's flowing as you can see yourself why did he say these things he himself was astonished at them while he went on inventing them was it then that he wished to remain master of the situation keep the abominable secret entirely to himself in order that he might afterwards act in accordance with his own desires certainly his feelings partook of shame and embarrassment in presence of that foreigner whilst his personal inclination for violence set some admiration amidst the revolt of his conscience and a covert desire arose within him to examine the matter from the standpoint of his interests before he came to a decision but on the other hand he claimed to be a man of integrity and would assuredly not allow people to be poisoned pierre who was compassionately inclined towards all creation looked at the hen with the emotion which he always felt at the sudden severance of life however he at once accepted prada's story ah those fowls said he they treat one another with an idiotic ferocity which even men can scarcely equal i kept fowls at home at one time and one of the hens no sooner hurt her leg than all the others on seeing the blood oozing would flock round and peck at the limb till they stripped it to the bone prada however did not listen but at once went off and it so happened that the woman was on her side looking for him in order to hand him four eggs which after a deal of searching she had discovered in odd corners about the house the count made haste to pay for them and called to pierre who was lingering behind we must look sharp we shan't reach rome now until it is quite dark they found santo bono quietly waiting in the carriage where he had again installed himself on the bracket with his spine resting against the box seat and his long legs drawn back under him and he again had the little basket of figs on his knees and clasped it with his big knotty hands as though it was something fragile and rare which the slightest jolting might damage his cassock showed like a huge blot and in his coarse ashen face that of a peasant yet near to the wild soil and but slightly polished by a few years of theological studies his eyes alone seemed to live glowing with the dark flame of a devouring passion on seeing him seated there in such composure prada could not restrain a slight shudder then as soon as the victoria was again rolling along the road he exclaimed well i be that glass of wine will guarantee us against the malaria the pope would soon be cured if he could imitate our example santa borno's only reply was a growl he was in no mood for conversation but wrapped himself in perfect silence as in the night which was slowly falling and prada in his turn ceased to speak and with his eyes still fixed upon the other reflected on the course that he should follow the road turned and then the carriage rolled on and on over another interminable straight highway with white paving whose brilliancy made the road look like a ribbon of snow stretching across the campagna where delicate shadows were slowly falling gloom gathered in the hollows of the broad undulations whence a tide of violet hue seemed to spread over the short herbage until all mingled and the expanse became an indistinct swell of neutral hue from one to the other horizon and the solitude was now yet more complete a last indolent cart had gone by and a last tinkling of horses bells had subsided in the distance there was no longer a passer-by no longer a beast of the fields to be seen colour and sound died away all forms of life sank into slumber into the serene stillness of nihility some fragments of an aqueduct were still to be seen at intervals on the right hand where they looked like portions of gigantic millipedes severed by the scythe of time 
next on the left came another tower whose dark and ruined pile barred the sky as with a huge black stake and then the remains of another aqueduct spanned the road assuming yet greater dimensions against the sunset glow ah that unique hour the hour of twilight in the campagna when all is blotted out and simplified the hour of bare immensity of the infinite in its simplest expression there is nothing nothing all around you but the flat line of the horizon with the one splotch of an isolated tower and yet that nothing is instinct with sovereign majesty however on the left towards the sea the sun was setting descending in the limpid sky like a globe of fire of blinding redness it slowly plunged beneath the horizon and the only sign of cloud was some fiery vapour as if indeed the distant sea had seethed at contact with that royal and flaming visit and directly the sun had disappeared the heavens above it purpled and became a lake of blood whilst the campagna turned to grey at the far end of the fading plain there was only left that purple lake whose brazier slowly died out behind the black arches of the aqueduct while in the opposite direction the scattered arches remained bright and rosy against a pewter-like sky then the fiery vapour was dissipated and the sunset ended by fading away one by one the stars came out in the pacified vault now of an ashen blue while the lights of rome still far away on the verge of the horizon scintillated like the lamps of lighthouses and prada amidst the dreamy silence of his companions and the infinite melancholy of the evening and the inexpressible distress which even he experienced continued to ask himself what course he should adopt again and again he mentally repeated that he could not allow people to be poisoned the figs were certainly intended for cardinal bocanera and on the whole it mattered little to him whether there were a cardinal the more or the fewer in the world moreover it had always seemed to him best to let destiny follow its course and infidel that he was he saw no harm in one priest devouring another again it might be dangerous for him to intervene in that abominable affair to mix himself up in the base fathomless intrigues of the black world but on the other hand the cardinal was not the only person who lived in the bocanera mansion and might not the figs go to others might they not be eaten by people to whom no harm was intended this idea of a treacherous chance haunted him and in spite of every effort the figures of benedetta and dario rose up before him returned and imposed themselves on him though he again and again sought to banish them from his mind what if benedetta what if dario should partake of that fruit for benedetta he felt no fear for he knew that she and her aunt ate their meals by themselves and that their cuisine and the cardinals had nothing in common but dario sat at his uncle's table every day and for a moment prada pictured the young prince suddenly seized with a spasm then falling like poor monsignor gallo into the cardinal's arms with livid face and receding eyes and dying within two hours but no no that would be frightful he could not suffer such an abomination and thereupon he made up his mind he would wait till the night had completely gathered round and would then simply take the basket from santa bono's lap and fling it into some dark hollow without saying a word the priest would understand him the other one the young frenchman would perhaps not even notice the incident besides that mattered little for he would not even attempt to explain his action and he felt quite calm again when the idea occurred to him to throw the basket away while the carriage passed through the porta furba a couple of miles or so before reaching rome that would suit him exactly in the darkness of the gateway nothing whatever would be seen we stopped too long at that osteria he suddenly exclaimed aloud turning towards pierre we shan't reach rome much before six o'clock still you will have time to dress and join your friend and then without awaiting the young man's reply he said to santa bono your figs will arrive very late abbe 
oh answered the priest his eminence receives until eight o'clock and besides the figs are not for this evening people don't eat figs in the evening they will be for tomorrow morning and thereupon he again relapsed into silence for tomorrow morning yes yes no doubt repeated prada and the cardinal will be able to thoroughly regale himself if nobody helps him to eat the fruit thereupon pierre without pausing to reflect exclaimed he will no doubt eat it by himself for his nephew prince dario must have started to-day for naples on a little convalescence trip to rid himself of the effects of the accident which laid him up during the last month then having got so far the young priest remembered to whom he was speaking and abruptly stopped short the count noticed his embarrassment oh speak on my dear monsieur Fromont," said he you don't offend me it's an old affair now so that young man has left you say yes unless he has postponed his departure however i don't expect to find him at the palazzo when i get there for a moment the only sound was that of the continuous rumble of the wheels prada again felt worried a prey to the discomfort of uncertainty why should he mix himself up in the affair if dario were really absent all the ideas which came to him tired his brain and he ended by thinking aloud if he has gone away it must be for propriety's sake so as to avoid attending the buon giovanni reception for the congregation of the council met this morning to give its decision in the suit which the countess has brought against me yes i shall know by and by whether our marriage is to be dissolved it was in a somewhat hoarse voice that he spoke these words and one could realize that the old wound was again bleeding within him although lisbeth had borne him a son the charge levelled against him in his wife's petition for divorce still filled him with blind fury each time that he thought of it and all at once he shuddered violently as if an icy blast had darted through his frame then turning the conversation he added it's not at all warm this evening this is the dangerous hour of the roman climate the twilight hour when it's easy to catch a terrible fever if one isn't prudent here pull the rug over your legs wrap it round you as carefully as you can then as they drew near to the porta furba silence again fell more profound like the slumber which was invincibly spreading over the campagna now steeped in night and at last in the bright starlight appeared the gate an arch of the aqua felice under which the road passed from a distance this fragment seemed to bar the way with its mass of ancient half-fallen walls but afterwards the gigantic arch where all was black opened like a gaping porch and the carriage passed under it in darkness whilst the wheels rumbled with increased sonority when the victoria emerged on the other side santo bono still had the little basket of figs upon his knees and prada looked at it quite overcome asking himself what sudden paralysis of the hands had prevented him from seizing it and throwing it into the darkness such had still been his intention but a few seconds before they passed under the arch he had even given the basket a final glance in order that he might the better realize what movements he should make what had taken place within him then at present he was yielding to increasing irresolution henceforth incapable of decisive action feeling a need of delay in order that he might before everything else fully satisfy himself as to what was likely to happen and as dario had doubtless gone away and the figs would certainly not be eaten until the following morning what reason was there for him to hurry he would know that evening if the congregation of the council had annulled his marriage and he would know how far the so-called justice of god was venal and mendacious certainly he would suffer nobody to be poisoned not even cardinal bocanera though the latter's life was of little account to him personally but had not that little basket ever since leaving frascati been like destiny on the march and was it not enjoyment the enjoyment of omnipotence 
to be able to say to himself that he was the master who could stay that basket's course or allow it to go onward and accomplish its deadly purpose moreover he yielded to the dimmest of mental struggles ceasing to reason unable to raise his hand and yet convinced that he would drop a warning note into the letter-box at the palazzo before he went to bed though at the same time he felt happy in the thought that if his interest directed otherwise he would not do so and the remainder of the journey was accomplished in silent weariness amidst the shiver of evening which seemed to have chilled all three men in vain did the count endeavour to escape from the battle of his thoughts by reverting to the buon giovanni reception and giving particulars of the splendours which would be witnessed at it his words fell sparsely in an embarrassed and absent-minded way then he sought to inspirit pierre by speaking to him of cardinal sanguinetti's amiable manner and fair words but although the young priest was returning home well pleased with his journey in the idea that with a little help he might yet triumph he scarcely answered the count so rapt was he in his reverie and santo bono on his side neither spoke nor moved black like the knight himself he seemed to have vanished however the lights of rome were increasing in number and houses again appeared on either hand at first at long intervals and then in close succession there were suburban houses and there were yet more fields of reeds quickset hedges olive trees overtopping long walls and big gateways with vase surmounted pillars but at last came the city with its rows of small grey houses its petty shops and its dingy taverns whence at times came shouts and rumours of battle prada insisted on setting his companions down in the via giulia at fifty paces from the palazzo it doesn't inconvenience me at all said he to pierre besides with the little time you have before you it would never do for you to go on foot the via giulia was already steeped in slumber and wore a melancholy aspect of abandonment in the dreary light of the gas-lamps standing on either hand and as soon as santo bono had alighted from the carriage he took himself off without waiting for pierre who moreover always went in by the little door at the side lane good-bye abbe exclaimed prada good-bye count a thousand thanks was santo bono's response then the two others stood watching him as he went towards the bocanera mansion whose old monumental entrance full of gloom was still wide open for a moment they saw his tall rugged figure erect against that gloom then in he plunged he and his little basket bearing destiny end of section twenty two